Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that charts a course through history, one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're examining the competing narratives surrounding the life of Captain William Kidd, a callous, vengeful pirate, or a wrongfully accused privateer, depending on who you ask. The day was July 6th, 1699. Captain William Kidd was arrested and jailed in Boston on charges of piracy. The arrest was made at the home of an Irish nobleman named Richard Coote, a.k.a. the First Earl of Bellomont. Although he was a longtime friend and financial benefactor of Captain Kidd, the Earl seemingly betrayed him as part of a British plot to make an example of a well-known pirate as a way to appease the Mughal Empire in India. After two years in Boston's Great Stone Jail, Kidd was put on a ship to London, where he would later be tried for his alleged crimes and ultimately put to death. Historians don't know much about the early life of William Kidd, only that he was born in Dundee, Scotland in 1654, and that his father, John Kidd, was a sailor who died at sea. From there, William's trail in history goes cold until the 1680s, when he re-emerged as a sailor himself, then in his mid-30s. By that point, Kidd had resettled in New York City, which was under British control at the time. It's believed that he began his career at sea there as a privateer, 
someone who's been authorized by a government to attack the trade ships and colonies of rival nations. A pirate, essentially, but a legal one. However, in 1689, the captain who Kidd served under was deposed and replaced by Jean Fontan. Under his leadership, the mostly French crew began attacking Dutch and English colonies alike, without a privateering commission to do either. This was William Kidd's first taste of piracy, and it would seem that he didn't like the taste. In the summer of 1689, Kidd and the few other English crew members on board led a mutiny while anchored off the coast of St. Christopher Island. They waited until Captain Fonten had taken most of the crew ashore. Then the mutineers seized control of the ship, murdered their remaining French crewmates, and sailed off to the nearby island of Nevis. There, the stolen ship was renamed Blessed William, and Kidd was elected as its new captain. He carried on working as a privateer for the next two years, but gradually his crew grew tired of the straight life and longed for a return to outright piracy. When Captain Kidd wouldn't budge on the issue, the crew mutinied against him and stole his ship while he was ashore at Antigua in the West Indies. At that point, Kidd decided to cut his losses and return to New York City. There, he married a wealthy widow named Sarah Bradley Cox Urt, and together they had two daughters. Kidd settled into a comfortable life as a respected member of high society, but within a few years, the sea came calling for him once again. In late 1695, Kidd was called upon by Richard Coote to attack several prominent pirates who threatened British interests, as well as any French ships that happened to cross his path. Since Coote was the acting governor of New York at the time, his request was backed by the weight of the British crown. It would have been politically dangerous to refuse such a job, so whether he liked it or not, Kidd was now both a privateer and a pirate hunter. The venture was mostly funded by wealthy English lords, including Coote, who had a vested interest in keeping British East India ships afloat and out of the hands of pirates. Kidd was given a letter of mark, signed by King William III, which authorized him as an English privateer. This wasn't a salaried position per se, but Kidd was entitled to the lion's share of any loot he confiscated from enemy ships though the British crown did expect 10%. In short order, Captain Kidd was outfitted with a new crew and a new ship, the Adventure Galley. Once again, Richard Coote had helped make all the arrangements. Kidd set sail in 1696 and spent the next couple years patrolling the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean. He and his crew did well for themselves at first, catching pirates and racking up treasure and valuable commodities in the process. Eventually, though, their luck ran out, and Kidd had a tough time covering the expenses of the ongoing voyage. By the fall of 1697, many of the crew had deserted, and those who remained spoke openly of mutiny. That October, one of the crew urged Captain Kidd to attack a Dutch ship, something that would have been outside the bounds of their privateering commission. Kidd, a Dutch-born sailor himself, responded by fracturing the crew member's skull. He died the following day. Shortly after that incident, rumors began to spread that Kidd often engaged in other cruel, piratical behavior, such as drubbing and keelhauling, 
the details of which we won't go into here. Whether true or not, Kidd was soon branded a pirate by members of the Royal Navy and became a target of their pursuit. Not long after, in January of 1698, Captain Kidd made what many historians consider to be his fatal mistake. While sailing near India, Kidd and his crew caught sight of a 400-ton cargo ship called the Keda Merchant. It was filled to the brim with gold and silver, as well as valuable goods like satin, silk, opium, and sugar. In other words, the Keda was a massive payday for the adventure galley. The only question was whether it was legal for them to attack it. Since it was an Indian ship chartered by Armenian merchants, it should have been off-limits to privateers who'd been commissioned to attack pirates and French merchants only. However, it turned out that the captain of the Keda had purchased passes from the French East India Company, placing his ship under the protection of the French crown. Kidd believed that technically made it a French ship, kind of, sort of. So he went through with the attack and kept the French passes as proof that it wasn't an act of piracy, strictly speaking. Unfortunately for Kidd, the Keda merchant also had ties to a powerful minister at the court of the Indian Grand Mogul. The British government wanted to maintain friendly relations with the Mogul Empire, so when news of Kidd's latest capture reached England, they quickly denounced him as a pirate and called for his arrest. Once Kidd realized he was a marked man, he charted a course back to New York City, and along the way, he stashed some of the treasure from the Keta Merchant on nearby Gardner's Island. These valuables were later retrieved and used against Kidd at his trial. It's widely believed that he also hid treasure on other small islands in the area, including Block Island and possibly even Liberty Island. Though if he did, nobody's found it as of 2022. Shortly after arriving in New York, Kidd received an offer of clemency from his old friend and chief financier, Richard Coote. Coote urged Kidd to join him in Boston, where he'd be placed under his protection until the whole piracy business could be sorted out for good. As a wanted man with few other options, Kidd decided to trust Coote and set sail for Boston. Sadly, it turned out that Coote was only interested in saving his own skin. He was worried that since he'd been the one who recommended Kidd for the commission, he might be accused of piracy himself. Coote figured his best chance was to capture Kidd alive and then turn him over to England as a show of good faith. And so, on July 6th, 1699, Captain William Kidd was arrested in Boston on the order of Governor Coote. He spent the better part of the next two years in solitary confinement before being transported to Newgate Prison in London to undergo questioning, and then to the Old Bailey to stand trial. The trial commenced in May of 1701, but the outcome was largely a foregone conclusion. Kidd maintained his innocence throughout the proceedings, but in the end, he was found guilty of piracy and murder and sentenced to death. He was publicly hanged later that month at Execution Dock in London's East End. Disturbingly, it took two tries to kill William Kidd, and once he was dead, his body was strung up on a gibbet over the River Thames to serve as a warning to other potential pirates. His corpse remained on display for three years. Over three centuries later, 
historians still debate whether Captain Kidd truly deserves his reputation as a notorious pirate. After all, there was a fine line between privateer and pirate, and by most accounts, Kidd didn't really stray from his chosen side, though he may have towed the line every now and then. The strongest evidence that Kidd was framed as a pirate are those French passes that he had hoped to use to prove his innocence. They were conveniently misplaced during his trial, and were only rediscovered in a public records office in London some 200 years after his execution. Those passes support the version of events he presented in court, and had they not been sequestered during his trial, Kidd's life and legacy may have turned out very different. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? This is Sean. Lights Out Merriment. And Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com. And we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com.